Mr. Fontanero by Faith Bennett. The Monday before Thanksgiving in the year of COVID, Melanie Jones, a law student, prepares for her trip from Los Angeles to New York. The trip from the University of California at Los Angeles to Los Angeles International Airport is a straight shot down the 405 Expressway. The weather in Los Angeles is 84 degrees Fahrenheit and sunny. The barometer is rising. The fine weather lifts her mood. She's taking a midday nonstop from LAX to New York City. The weather in New York is seasonal, cool, but comfortable. Melanie is going home to study remotely as an increase in COVID-positive test rates grips California with fear. First year, first semester law school is a whirlwind of torts, contracts, civil procedure, and property law. For most people, the rigors of law school are too much to handle. Most would consider the subject matter boring. Melanie thrived on the intense study and class attendance required to achieve the excellence she has demanded of herself since kindergarten. Her studies fascinated her, and she lived a charmed life of success with the promise of a successful career in law. She is generous with a quick and sincere smile which masks her intense drive. Her intensity was easy to see when she played forward on her high school field hockey team. An hour and 45 minutes into the flight, the pilot warns in a calm but urgent and quick voice. Ladies and gentlemen, cabin crew, please be seated and fasten your seatbelts. We are encountering some turbulence which is reported to get very bumpy just up ahead. Before the pilot has finished speaking, chaos erupts as passengers and flight attendants are slammed to the ceiling. Service carts hit the ceiling too. Passengers are screaming as if they are about to die. The aircraft plummets 10,000 feet in less than two minutes. Melanie is numb and silent to the same degree that the hysterical passengers are vocalizing. She experiences momentary weightlessness during the rapid 10,000 foot drop. The oxygen masks drop from the panel just above the seats. They dangle and bounce like laundry hanging on a clothesline on a breezy day. Shortly, the aircraft becomes stable and regains altitude. Melanie practices her yoga breathing. The pilot comes on the speaker, reassuring passengers that the turbulence has cleared. Ladies and gentlemen, we have cleared the turbulence. However, air traffic control wants us to land in Chicago O'Hare. ATC weather backups are affecting the entire system. Also, we have passengers who need immediate medical attention. His calm voice is reassuring, but he cannot hide the fact that he is having a bad day at the office. Before the chaos, I was reading an article in the in-flight magazine touting how the west to east jet stream makes flights faster from LAX to JFK than from JFK to LAX. So much for the jet stream. The remainder of the flight is uneventful as the aircraft reroutes to O'Hare to take care of the wounded passengers and flight crew. As we approached O'Hare, the blazing red, blue, white, and yellow lights of emergency vehicles awaits us. 
The pilot speaks with composure and empathy as he says that the flashing lights were not necessary. Some of the passengers and crew will be taken for medical care. And so we landed, bumpity bump bump, with considerable grace for over 200 tons of machine and humanity. Please remain seated until the injured passengers and flight attendants have been removed from the aircraft by the EMTs. Squawks a flight attendant as the plane is boarded by medical and police officials. The passengers are quiet with physical and emotional exhaustion. Emergency personnel keep us seated as they escort the injured down the aisles in specially designed narrow wheelchairs. By the time Melanie exits the jetway, the overworked agents greet her with a little energy they have left. They are kind, but without the rehearsed cheerfulness featured in television ads. Melanie is rebooked on an early afternoon flight the next day from O'Hare to JFK. She is relieved to be able to sleep late and not have to get up for an early morning flight. The agent has provided her with a voucher for a night at a local Marriott. Melanie is directed to ground transportation, where she is to get a jitney to her hotel. The November air in Chicago is nippy with a light rain spitting out of the sky. The earlier thunderstorms are long gone. Thunderstorms are unusual in late November. They are marching east with their rolling, billowing shelf clouds and fantastic lightning bolts intent on disrupting life from Ohio to New York. Melanie appreciates that the rain is light in Chicago. While waiting for her ride, Melanie spies an elderly woman who appears to be well into her 90s. The woman is neat, with her white hair in a tidy chignon. Plainly dressed, her well-tailored boucle overcoat appears to be a deep indigo in the artificial light of the bus stop. She is trim and projects energy. Her suitcase gives the illusion that it is bigger than her. At first hesitant to chat with the woman, Melanie realizes that this lady is able to travel only by grace of the kindness of strangers. <laughs> Melanie says, Hello, may I assist you with your baggage when you board your van? Oh, thank you. Yes, that would be so kind of you. I'm waiting for the Holiday Inn van, she responds and smiles knowingly. Yes, this lady is a skilled traveler despite her frailness of age. She is friendly and knows how to work the program. I'm staying at the Marriott. If my van arrives first, I'll wait for your ride and catch the next Marriott van. You are a very kind young woman. Yes, and you are a spry and brave traveler traveling alone. I replied, taking note of her quick-witted conversational skills despite her advanced age. Or perhaps because of her advanced age. I have crossed the country in trains and the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans in ships. Hopping onto a plane is much easier, except for nights like tonight. The bad weather has left me stranded here for the evening. You must have had a very exciting life. I was a teacher for many years, and my husband, who has passed, was a successful businessman. We had the leisure time and the means for travel. 
At that moment, the Holiday Inn van pulls up to the curb. The elderly woman boards the van, and Melanie follows with a bag, placing it in the rack. Melanie notices that the suitcase is fairly hefty, even for a 24-year-old college student. I'll say a prayer for you when I get to heaven, says a petite senior. Her eyes are bright, pale blue, and as clear as youthful eyes. Melanie, enchanted, meets her gaze simultaneously, left eye to right eye, right eye to left eye, pupil to pupil. I'll say a prayer for you if I get there first, Melanie responds in a heartbeat. The fast friends exchange smiles and parting. Melanie imagines for the first time that maybe getting old is not such a drag, no matter what Mick Jagger says. How mesmerizing were her beautiful blue eyes. They drew out of me the perfect words to respond. I felt so sincere in my response, not smart-alecky in the least. I connected with this elderly stranger on a keen spiritual level. It was definitely an ineffable I-thou moment. Upon arriving at the check-in desk, I provide my name to the concierge, who exudes professional charm. He knows my airline voucher is due to the bad weather disrupting airline travel. He knows I visit the Marriott regularly because I have entered my points number into the hotel's app on my phone. Miss Jones, I'm sorry for your inconvenience. Check-out is 10 a.m., but please, feel free to stay till noon. I'll take you up on the late check-out till 11 a.m. I have an afternoon flight. Melanie accepts her card key and heads for the elevator. Good night, Miss Jones. I yearn for the cocoon of sleep. Melanie trundles her luggage to her room on the tall brass cart with crossbars for hanging clothes. She prefers the courtyard Marriott because bringing her own luggage to her room suits her fine. Melanie enters her room and feels an immediate sense of relaxation at the design of the furnishings and the thought of clean sheets on her king-sized bed. She places her suitcase on the small luggage rack and unpacks her bag. Sitting down in a chair by the bed, her head spins with anxiety. Tears well up in her eyes as Melanie finally processes the evening's harrowing events. She is relieved that she has survived the trauma of the violent weather. Inspecting the bathroom, she opens the door. On the floor lies a man, curled up as if asleep or perhaps dead. <gasps> Screeches Melanie as she freezes in horror. The man stirs, jumps up to his full height with a pipe in his hand. He opens his mouth as if about to shriek, but he emits only unintelligible sounds. The man seems to struggle for words as if he is limited in speech. Yes, time and Melanie are frozen. The events unfold, measured in microseconds. Finally, the man speaks. Oh, 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 Dios mío, utters the assailant. The frightful, menacing man wielding a pipe. Gathering her wits, Melanie kicks his shin just below the knee, and she turns to run out the door. Ay, 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 carajo! My heart is pounding as if it will burst. My assailant hobbles after me, babbling in Spanish. I can outrun him. I must get to the fire exit stairs. Soy Fontanero! 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 